You're listening to Inspiration for Ministry, a podcast by Newbold that supports students who are taking their ministerial training. Now, some of you might still be considering only the career in ministry. Others are well on the way of reaching their dreams, and some others are maybe still sitting on the fence. No matter your place in this, this program is for you. My name is Daniel Pushkash, and I sit down with some amazing people who are going to share parts of their inspiring journeys with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inspiration for Ministry. Today, we have with us Pastor Wayne Erasmus, who is at the moment working as the Church Growth and Adventist Mission Director at South uh, England Conference here in the UK. Uh, before taking that role, uh, Wayne was working as a senior pastor at Newbold Church for a few years, uh, but he has been working for much, much longer. And Wayne, maybe this is a good opportunity to, to ask you for how long have you been working as a pastor? Hi, Danilo. Um, since 97, so coming up to 25 years. Um, That's great. Maybe, maybe I should also say, so I, uh, my ministry has, has uh, began in Zimbabwe and, um, and in South Africa and then in the UK. And be- just because of the vagaries of church organizations, so technically I've worked in three different divisions. Wow, so very international experience, I have to say. <laughs> well, uh, from what, what, what we've heard and seen so far, a lot of pastors actually uh, travel around, so to say, uh, and, and change the continents even as, as you have had that experience. So, so that's something just for maybe younger generation also, and for those who are stepping into ministerial waters, just to have in mind that this can be a very, uh, how would you say, uh, mo- it's not mo- uh, a, a career uh, calling of movement, a lot of movement maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Well, we always joke that uh, we're still the Advent movement, but mostly it's the pastors that move. <laughs> That's um, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wayne, uh, I know that you're at the moment working also on your DIMIN. Uh, would you like to say a few words about that? What's your project about? Ah, um, so how much time have you got? Goodness <laughs> me. You know, we can we, cut we, this later. <laughs> <laughs> we get so precious about all of the words that we write. Um, so, so my demon is with Andrews uh, in a, the multicultural, multi-ethnic cohort. Uh, so particularly looking at the dynamics of um, diversity and how we work with that. But because a demon is also supposed to be practical and linked with the work that you're doing, it, it links with my work as church growth and mission director. So it's really looking at how do we, within a changing UK context, how can we help position our new initiatives to be able to speak more effectively, engage more effectively um, with their context. So it's a bit of multicultural, multi-ethnic, a bit of mission, and trying to find the connecting point between those. Mm. those So basically, you're going to have the solution in a way for Ah. uh, mission and uh, outreach and all of that in the UK and probably in the whole Europe, right? Uh, who knows? Uh, so many people have written about it, uh, you know, and as Solomon says, you know, t- to the writing of books, there is no end and much study wearies the soul. So um, I think there, it's a multifaceted approach um, and one thing won't fix it on its own. But we can begin to to think about the way that, that the lenses that we look at things through um, and 
And if we can begin to adjust those, perhaps we'll be able to see opportunities where we don't see them immediately. Mm. That's great. And just to ask you uh, alongside that, so your, your role at the moment is uh, directed towards mission, church growth uh, and all of that. So can you tell us a little bit more, maybe what's your main focus? Is there something uh, that is particularly that you're focusing on during this time? Well, you know, certainly as we anticipate coming out of the COVID lockdowns that have kind of been our collective experience for the last year, um, and and anybody who's been involved in local church at any level, whether you've just been uh, a spectator in more ways than one <laughs> in the last year, uh, or whether you've been part of producing content or trying to to do online services and so on, you you probably will have a sense that there are things that we've lost and things that we've gained um, in the experience and. So for me, the particular conversations that I'm I'm engaging in are trying to understand for plants and groups um, our new initiatives, if you like, or our young initiatives within the SEC. Um, so what have they lost and what have they gained? And and trying to to have some coaching conversations around. So what are the next steps for you, um, particularly for new initiatives that have been community-based, if their ability to transition to different ways of interacting in the last 12 months will have an impact on how they continue. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it may be that, that some really kind of are, are back to the beginning again, hmm. um, whereas others have discovered new opportunities and their whole ministry may go in a different direction. So it's it's both an unsettling and an exciting kind of time because I think we're all taking stock and trying to figure out, hey, so where are we? This is this looks like a new place. Hmm. Oh, that's great! And if we get a solution, you know, after all of this, that's going to be brilliant. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, I always say my job, Danilo, is to ask questions, and sometimes I ask good ones. Um, but other than that, it's trying to understand. <laughs> no, that, that's brilliant. Uh, Wayne, I know that you have been working in this now for the last few years, but uh, and hopefully you didn't forget what, what the, the, the uh, pastoral, so to say, when you're in the local church experience is. I know that you didn't and that you are involved a lot in the local church. So we are uh, basically focusing today mostly uh, uh, in our conversation on that uh, aspect of why would someone choose to be a pastor, so to say. That's so, a good um, sorry, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we are hoping for the good good answer. <laughs> uh, so, basically, that first part of that conversation is uh, the inspirational one, so so to say. What would you say from your experience? What is the most inspirational reason for you that you would share with others? Why why would someone choose to be a pastor? It's. Uh, I kind of smiled and, and and teased you a little bit about it being a great question because it's a question I've asked myself several times. You know, so how did I end up um, doing this? I didn't sort of have a Damascus Road experience. I wasn't knocked off my horse with a voice from heaven saying, you know, do this for me. Um, I mean, I grew up uh, a, a good little Adventist boy in an Adventist home. Um, if these things are important, I'm, I'm fifth generation um, on my mother's side of the family, uh, on my father's side, second. 
um, you know, so in many ways, Adventism and the church was always a big part of my life. It shaped it. Um, and, and when I began to think about, well, where would I go in ministry or, or where would I go in life? Um, ministry was one of the options. I actually considered several other f- options within creative fields um, that for various reasons either didn't work out or weren't an option. And so in some ways, ministry, uh, I ended up studying uh, as the viable option that, that remained for me. Um <clears throat> And for some who are listening, it may seem like, well, that's, the, that's a terrible reason to end up uh, in, in ministry. Uh, but I do have a sense that, you know, what God is often most interested in is not what you, some sort of profound calling, um, perhaps, and, and even as we look at his disciples and their individual stories, you discover that some of them the, the the concept of following Jesus was something that grew and developed over over time, and understanding what they were being called to was something that had to grow within them. Um, as whereas for others it kind of became clear in 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 shorter spaces of time. And I think that's still true for for anyone that God uses to engage in ministry, um, whether that's within the church structures or whether it's a vocational calling outside, you know, you may still be called to ministry. You just may be called to do it as an accountant or as a vehicle technician or, or, or as a social worker. You, God still has a calling on your life and he calls you to live that out in the vocation that you have. But for those of us that go into so-called professional pastoral ministry, I, I guess there's a slightly different dynamic, but it's still vocational. You still live it out in 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 the life that you have. So I think God calls us sometimes into ministry, and sometimes He calls us when we are in ministry. There is that dual dynamic of of um, growth and broadening and understanding. Yeah. Mm. So maybe just just to push that a little bit further, also uh, in your well, I can freely say rich experience so far. Um, what was something that like truly somehow got to you to say, wow, this is this is something that I want to do all the time? So just for example, I know that some pastors, they love the part when they're giving the Bible studies. They love that. Some others, they love visitations, talking to people when they're going through maybe challenges or something like that. Some others, they love evangelism, giving, you know, the, the, the public uh, sermons for the big crowds and all of that. Is there an aspect so far that you have found for you that, that, that is that, like, you know, one passion that you might maybe have? Uh, oh, um, so maybe if I back up a little bit, uh, the way I entered ministry was with an undergraduate degree. Um, that was all that was required um, in the part of the world where I was. And, um, and so I went in, uh, I began my I- internship. Um, I didn't have a senior pastor. I didn't have an internship. It was a sink or swim kind of a, a, a situation. And when I had opportunity to study again and to pursue a master's, I didn't pursue a, a, a theological, um, academic, uh, masters. I, I took 
a degree in practical theology. Uh, so my master's is in the area of, of narrative pastoral family therapy. Uh, and and it kind of gives a hint as to where I, I've kind of found the most fulfillment in ministry is less on the doctrinal, um, strong theological side, but more in the realm of, of people, their stories, their lives, and, under, and helping them to kind of see or have an experience of where God intersects with that. Mm. Um, you know, Aristotle had this thing about that the good life or the, the person of good character or excellent character is the person who does the right thing in the right way at the right time. Mm. Uh, and he was like, well, if you get to do that, well, that's the amazing stuff. Sounds nice. <laughs> uh, and, and perhaps there's a sense in, in which it's true, um, but there is a sense that sometimes when when things are the thing about working with people is that things are not black and white um, and that there's a lot of fuzziness around human stories. Uh, and when we live largely in the world of theology, we can begin to see things only in either or categories. Not that everybody who is a theologian does that, but there, there's a, a temptation to pit things against one another. Whereas um, when, when you kind of, engage with human stories you discover there's a huge amount of the human story that doesn't quite fit into the categories that we would like it to <laughs> and, and that makes it uh frustrating it but it also makes it rich um and i think the bible stories are largely about that god interacting with quite complex and layered human stories um and and we want to reduce them to simple narratives but that's the whole point narratives are not simple um, and God's not intimidated by the complex. So that's kind of where I think some of the richness and the joy for me in ministry comes. Um, is not necessarily in the solving, but just the engaging of, mm. of real stories mm. and recognizing that, that people are growing. Mm. You know, if I, if, I don't know if we have time, but one of the things that I, I, I learned sort of within the first 10 years of, of ministry. Uh, so toward the end of that, I'd moved several times, moved countries, and, um, and came to a church where any church has these, these characters. So um, you, you have your strong characters, and they've been there for a long time, and their parents were leaders in that church, and kind of, you know, this is their space. But they're not alone. They're there with other people who share a similar sort of story. And as you begin your pastoral visitations, you begin to realize that everybody has a story about everybody else. And they find a way to weave that story into whatever they're telling you. And so you get to listen to these stories almost like a, uh, you know, an observer, if you like. Um, but as I listened to the stories and interacted with the people themselves, this growing sense that, do you know, I notice that the person you describe to me is not the person that I'm interacting with. Hmm. That person has grown over the decades that you've known them, but you yourself have never allowed them to grow. You've never allowed them to, to become more than what they were at that time when you fell out or hmm. that time when that thing happened. Hmm. Um, you kind of got stuck there. Um, and so part of my job actually is trying to help people see that they're not the only ones who can grow 
mm. and mm. and change, and that God is busy in the backstories of our lives. And whether your backstory, you know, is an elder in a local congregation, or your backstory is Ruth, or your backstory is Esther, mm. or Joseph, you know, God is busy in in the background of your life doing stuff mm. um, that that sometimes you're not even aware of. So maybe the sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, and sometimes the faithful pastor's job is to shine a light on that. Mm. Mm. So, so maybe so to say, and I loved that approach, especially for those who might feel that this is something that they can be part of much more. It's it's almost like journeying together with people rather than you know delivering a sermon one of uh, going for the weekend, you know, and boosting up I don't know the energy, spiritual energy. Actually, being part of people's lives and and being on that journey together with them, which. I, I imagine can be sometimes uh, very time-consuming and takes takes certain energy and takes, I guess, certain personality. But I believe that it's really, really important for those of uh, those who are thinking about ministry in this way that they uh, that they should know that this is one option that is definitely out there that they can relate to. That indeed, my my MA professor used to say that pastoral ministry is about journeying with people. You ne- you on you never journey the whole distance with one individual, almost never in ministry. You join people and you have to, on their journey, and you understand that there's been st- stuff before you joined them, mm-hmm. and and you walk alongside them. You don't walk behind them to chase them or to kick them from behind or to um, you know <laughs> chase them with a stick, um, or, and you don't walk ahead, you know. D- or at least too far ahead, you know, as it were, to drag them by the collar to where you think they should go. But the the job of a faithful pastor is to walk alongside and from time to time to put your arm around. Um, and and you, you so you meet and you journey, and then at some point your your path will move in this direction and theirs will move in another, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but it's the time that you spend sort of in parallel with one another where you have a, a, an opportunity to speak into, to invest in, um, to pour into that person's life. Today we call it discipling. Um, and and I think there's a greater measure of attention to that kind of work. We're still tempted to make discipleship about teaching, about you know how can we get as many people through a training schedule or a training program how can we teach you how to give bible studies and so on and so forth those are all important skills but at the end of the day your ability to walk genuinely with another person mm-hmm. is one of the most valuable things you will have in your pastor's toolbox Wayne, thanks a lot for that part. Uh, we just need to, to uh, spend a few more minutes uh, in the conversation. I would love to chat about this aspect more. Uh, but I guess that people can now uh, find you easily, so to say, just to type in your name and then to get in touch with you <laughs> if they oh, want to yeah. talk more. <laughs> Not throwing your name out there, don't worry. Oh, okay. uh, but there's this other aspect that I would like us to talk about just briefly, maybe. And it's also important aspect. So we talked about the inspirational part, but we know that in pastoral ministry, very often it happens that people are going through certain challenges, difficulties, asking themselves, you know, uh, is this something that they really want to continue with? You know, a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. I-, I can imagine that you have had some of those thoughts sure. coming maybe through your mind. So what would be some kind of uh, advice that you would give maybe when someone is facing those challenges? I think 
the the two things are really linked. So what we talked about before and what I'll probably say now are are kind of two sides of the same coin. Is in in a ministry where you focus on being there for for people, um, pouring into them, investing in them, encouraging them, helping them spot where God is working in their lives, speaking into those moments, and and so on. Um, you can begin to realize that you have a great need for somebody to do the same for you. Mm. And, and you can find that as you pour yourself out into other people, you begin to feel empty yourself. Mm. And if you haven't heard it before, and I'm sure you have, uh, ministry has the potential to be a very lonely um, and lonesome experience. And there'll be those who will spiritualize that and say, well, it's not your journeying with God. It's the most amazing thing. Um, you know, just never, don't, don't allow yourself to be tempted to look at the people around you. They will always disappoint you, you know. So, and while some of that sounds really great, it, it, it kind of emphasizes this idea that ministry is something you do on your own. Mm-hmm. And, and at the moment, that's still how we are structured. Very few of us have opportunity to work in teams, and most of us are not educated to work in teams. Mm. We're educated to be lone rangers in, in, in many respects, and we expect to be. The hero who rides in on the white horse and saves the day, who knows how to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. Um, but there are times when you don't know what the right thing is, and you don't know how to do it, and you don't even know if your reasons are the right ones. Um, but you're still expected to perform, to to do something, um, and and sometimes even just the the nature of how people think of pastors puts you at a distance. So as much as you may want to journey alongside them, they have a need for you to be on a pedestal. They have a need for you to to live all of the ideals as they articulate them for you to live. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily ill intent. But it's part of their story, and sometimes you may never get to the bottom of why that is. So how do you deal with all of that? In the beginning, I suspect you try and be a hero and carry it all yourself. Um, But I hope that you get over that very, very quickly. Not you, Danilo, because you don't have this problem. Um, But anyone who who begins to feel, hey, you know, ministry is feeling a bit heavy, the the reality is you're going to have to to risk um and and one of the biggest risks you may feel is trusting somebody else a colleague um and and i say a colleague because with the movement of ministry it can be difficult to maintain relationships that don't understand the dynamics mm. of of ministry um and and you have to decide. It's a very special person outside of ministry who can manage the dynamics that come with it. The sense that sometimes you absolutely cannot say everything that you would want to say, but they have to read between the lines enough to know what you can and what you cannot say, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask, how not to put you in a difficult position. Um, and you don't, maybe it depends on the person, but maybe you don't need 75 friends like this. And really, you can't invest in that many mm. people. But there might be people you studied with. There might be new, new colleagues that you've met along the way. 
Um, I have very few, I'm in touch with very few that I studied with mm. over 20 something years ago. We've kind of spread around the world. Life and ministry takes you in different directions. And so it's not something you do once, but something you choose to continually do to open yourself up and be vulnerable and engage in meaningful friendship dialogue. And you have to make time for it. If you don't, um, you don't have that rich journeying experience with somebody else, somebody who can kind of say, press in on some of the things that that you that you're saying or feeling mm. um and can look at them over a slightly longer perspective rather than just what you're saying in this moment mm. um you know i'm not talking about somebody that you know shares every single deep dark secret of your life and there might never be one person who holds all of that even a spouse may may not need to hold everything but Friendship, deep friendship in ministry uh, is one of the keys, not the key only, but one of the, the, the important keys, I think, to long-term healthy ministry. So rather than having, uh, sorry if I interrupt you, uh, rather than having simply a mentor, someone who is, so to say, above you with experience and all of that, uh, I, I believe that that's something that is useful. Also, it also is useful. Have, right? But what may be... Um, has a greater impact. I don't know if it's, if it's fair to say greater. It's actually to have a peer who is together with you on, in all of this, uh, that you're not looking at each other on different levels, so to say, but rather that you're supporting each other through all of that. But I guess that from time to time, you need someone who went through all of that and maybe has, you know, knows that there is the light at, at the end of the tunnel and knows how to get you out, outside of the tunnel. So I guess that you need both, so to say, uh, to keep that in balance. You know, we, we might be tempted to, so in ministry, suddenly peers become almost anybody who shares a pastoral ministry. So I have friendships with those, with some ministers that are retired now. Hmm. Um, and I met them when I came to the UK and a friendship grew over time. Hmm. But that also requires in some respects for somebody to take, make the first move. Hmm somebody to offer a small vulnerability you know to mm. call up or say hey could i could i pop by mm. uh, there's something i'd like to just talk with you about or get your perspective on mm. um or i'm i'm trying to figure this out what what advice would you give me mm. um you know sometimes you do have to make the first move sometimes somebody will do that for you you know will open up the invitation and and that's great when it happens but sometimes you were all kind of in the same boat not sure how vulnerable we can be with any one given person. And so we do these little tests, you know, and I guess what I'm saying is, you know, be, w I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged. I like to think, um, sort of in the middle of, of, of my working life and, and, and maybe of my natural life. Um, and, uh, but that means that there are, there are people who are younger than me that I can learn from. They can tell me, in open my eyes to perspectives and ways of looking at the world and and current uh, conversations that are happening that i'm just are, are too new for me you know they weren't framed like that when i was 20 or 25 or 30 i'll stop there um 
<laughs> and then there are others who've kind of seen how conversations change over 30, 40, 50 years. And it's important to have friendships there. So I guess it's multi across generational mm. friendships. Mm. Peers are great, but maybe if you th limit peers, if one limits peers only to people within five years Age. either side mm. of you, mm. then, then you might feel limited. Who you connect with maybe is not a an age thing, um, but sometimes there's a heart or a, or a spiritual connection that happens, and those are valuable when they do. Hang on to them, pursue them, make time for them, set aside time in your in your schedule, and be willing sometimes to move things around for the sake of them, because when things are said and done, the 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 daily tasks of ministry will will drift into the background. Um, but the people that you share deep um, communion, deep um, narrative experience with, these, these are the ones that add richness to your life. Wayne, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. We will have to uh, stop with our conversation now. Uh, we, we have shared, you have actually shared some great, great things with us. So thank you a lot for that. And I'm hoping that for those who are following the program, you're going to definitely connect to some of these aspects that uh, Wayne was sharing today. So once again, Wayne, thanks a lot for being with us and spending this time. Uh, may God richly bless you in both the ministry and finishing your dim in. <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come you know, to that <laughs> soon. Um, thank you everyone for, for following us today. And as always, you can access these um, episodes, uh, previous episodes on our website if you go to online campus ministries uh, at Newell College website or if you're listening to this on Spotify you can access these easily uh, all the best until the next time and enjoy exploring your further uh, avenues of how you can uh, express this calling in the best possible way that you might be feeling in your heart may God be with you see you next time <laughs>